Hello, everyone. Welcome back to Life and Sport Podcast. And we're joined by a very special guest. His name is Dre Everett, a younger brother of uh, Hawthorne, St. Kilda and Swans player, Spider Everett. Uh, this Everett made a name for himself in his own way in the AFL, playing for Carlton, Western Bulldogs and the Sydney Swans. Thanks for joining us. And what have you been up to today so far? This episode is made possible by our main sponsor, Troy Thompson from LJ Hooker Gun Garland. As you may or may not know, Troy played 156 first grade NRL games for the Canberra Raiders which means he's a team player and he'll help you tackle all of your home buying and selling goals in the Gungahlin area. G'day. Thank you for having me. Um, today, it's been shocking weather down in Melbourne. Um, <laughs> just caught up with some friends. It's actually, there's a um, Mexican festival, um, oh. Flagstaff Gardens, which we went there and we had a, a nice little lunch in the city or well, on Brunswick Street. So um, yeah, that's been about it. Pretty cruisy yeah. day. Yeah, nice. What'd you have? Like what meal? Uh, we went to this little uh, Japanese restaurant called Nico Nico. Um, yep. Both my partner and I are vegetarian and they do a good um, ramen there. So we went there and had that, which was delicious. Very nice. I actually non-vegetarian, but I did have a, a pork ramen in with like a soy broth the other day from a local Japanese restaurant called Gyoza Man. It's, it, it's unparalleled. I love ramen. Yeah, we're, we're pretty similar. Um, it's one of our treats that we go to. Uh, it's not too far from home, 25, 30 minutes away. So oh, that's we can go far. there every, every few months for a treat. Yeah, nice. That, that's good to hear. So let's get stuck in and started about your career. Obviously, it all starts at the grassroots level, junior footy. What was your junior footy like growing up? Because obviously, you're, you're quite younger than Spider. So obviously, you already had a superstar brother by the time you were starting and playing AF and like Aussie rules, like junior footy, what was it like? Did he help you out at, at any point during that time as well? Uh, no, we've sort of had a, a bit of a different relationship. Oh, we've, okay. never, we've never really spoke about footy too much, um, okay. which has been sort of good. Uh, there is, as you said, there is a big age gap, 15 to 16 years um, there. Both got the same parents though. So yep. um, everyone asks us that if we're, <laughs> cousins or, or yep. brothers whatever we are so yep. um well yeah, my he, partner is 16 years older than her youngest sibling so I, I totally get that yeah yeah so it's a we've got a, a pretty big family so i think the oldest between the oldest debbie and myself is near on 20 years so oh wow um yeah there's a pretty big difference um but yeah footy wise he started playing when i was about three so um i sort of grew up within that environment um in terms of yeah it was it was good but it was also tough yep in that sense because he was such a big player and all the expectations um i found that a little bit harder in my younger years you know getting abused over the fence because of what my brother did on the weekend and oh yeah that, all that, sort that of didn't stuff. even factor in wow yeah, when you're you know 12, 13, getting abused by parents over the sidelines wasn't great, but that's no, wow. Sammy held me in good stead to when I came up to the big league. You get sort yeah. of used to that that sort of environment. But um, yeah, I, I played down for a local club called Somerville where I grew up, and I played all my junior career down there. Yep. Um, we had a pretty successful team, and I was uh, win any flags there. with them? Uh, yeah, we won a couple of. Uh, when I was younger, 15, um, under 15s and 13s, maybe. Yeah, nice. Um, yeah, we always had a pretty good team and had a fair few good players in that. So, um, yeah, that was always good. Uh, from there, I, I moved up to the Danny Nong Stingrays. Yep. Uh, I played my first year under there. And from that, I, I ended up getting drafted to 
yeah, the Western Bulldogs as the bottom age in uh, the end of 2006. Yeah, and obviously you went on to play uh, quite a lot of AFL games, like well over 100, which is amazing. First of all, it's one, it's it's 100 and something more than I've ever played in the AFL, obviously. Um, but one thing I do want to t- touch on, if you're okay with it, is obviously I got some intel from Spider that you were born with a club foot. Um, how did, how did that like, if maybe he may have been bullshitting with me, I don't know. Cause you know, brothers sometimes, you know, spin yarns, but if it is true, um, how did that impact you in your younger life? You know, cause you could have may, maybe ever never ended up playing AFL. Yeah. It's, um, he wasn't bullshitting. Yeah. Okay. It's, it's definitely a true story. So yeah, I was born with a club foot. Um, my Achilles wasn't attached and, Ooh. um, all that sort of jazz. So uh, I was very young, um, had the surgery near on you know as soon as they could do it yep. to straighten up the foot and reattach the achilles with all bits and pieces and um i think it was when i was going through my rehab at a young age they took me in as my parents are now you know into their 70s so they're a little yep. bit older but that old school generation was they sort of told them that you know i wouldn't be able to run and yeah do that here's a program that like-minded kids will be in and they're just you know typical parents of that age stuff it will be fine that sort yep. of attitude and um i grew up knowing no different so yeah. uh, i didn't really yeah all that sort of impacted me was it was more when i started playing afl they measure my leg difference and there's about three to four centimeters difference in leg length yep. um i can i still can't do a single leg calf raise on my right leg um, oh, wow. i've always jumped off my left I can't double, I can jump, double jump, but um, I think it was a draft camp. I was, I really enjoyed high jump when I was younger and yep. draft camp, I was, um, you know, in the top five or six on my left leg and then in the bottom five or six off my right. So, <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, very, very left dominant, even though my right's my kicking foot. But yeah, it, it didn't really impact me until I got to footy in terms of AFL because I wanted to correct it. They, um, put heel lifts in my shoes and gave me all groin issues and bits and pieces just because oh, I grew up learning how to, you know, run with it. And yeah, your body adjusted to it over those 18 yeah. years sort of thing. Yeah. yeah. So, yeah. So to this day, I, I don't wear anything in my shoes. Um, I don't walk with a limp or anything. I've just sort of adjusted all that you can tell is um, I've got chicken legs as it is, but <laughs> my left is yeah a lot bigger than my right. That's fair enough. Yeah. I just thought wondering, you know, cause as, as you said, like it, it was, well, I said earlier, it could have definitely impacted you negatively and you could have ended up never playing AFL, but you know, in spite of that you did. And obviously your first club that you played at in the AFL was the Western Bulldogs. What was your time like at the Western Bulldogs? Yeah. I get asked um, a fair bit. What were all the three clubs like? Um, mm. Western Bulldogs, I was just so young. Um, I got drafted at 17. I didn't have my license until March after getting drafted in November. So yeah. I had a few boys pick me up every day um to take me to training yep it was a, a little bit weird and then yeah i, I had rodney Eade at and at that stage um i reckon i was my year was that semi first year of when um that old school coaching didn't really resonate with myself yep um yeah that real hard line you know i like to be told i was going well not told i was going bad um yep. and yeah, so it got to a point, you know, I think it was the end of my fourth year that, yeah, we sort of sat down and 
And Rocket's like, how are you feeling? And I was like, yeah, not too bad. And he's like, no, honestly, how do you feel? And then we sort of had a good conversation that, look, it, it, I think it's best that we we part ways and we look elsewhere. And he was really, really good. Um, okay, so there was no animosity in that sort of moving on sort of stage? No, no, not, not at all. And um, I can touch on that if you want to go past the... Yeah, the, the that'd be great. When we get to the exit of the Carlton era, but... Um, <laughs> Yeah, it was no animosity at all. Um, it sort of happened when I was on footy trip in Hong Kong, which was um, a little bit different. And the boys sort of, they were okay, but um, just being so young, Bulldog yeah. was a great team to be a part of. And I really like that Liam Jones has gone back there again. He's one of my good mates. So, um, yeah, I really enjoyed my time there and, and still live within the area. Yeah, no, that, that's awesome. And that says a lot about a club, you know, that fact that you still live in that area. It really does go to prove that there was no animosity towards the club or anything because there are some players that have a shocking type of exit with clubs and they're like off that club in there, like emotionally and all that for years. So that, that's good to hear. Um, correct me if I'm wrong, but you did you end up at the Swans next or was it Carlton next? Yeah, it was Sydney. Um, that's right, because you, yeah. you were there towards the back end of spiders time there if i'm not mistaken maybe i yeah. am mistaken yeah i think there was a, a year like um, a year overlap sort of thing yeah a year where yeah he, he was out of the swans and i was sort yeah. of coming in so he was got he was of, he part of that influence to get you there uh no nah, not not a lot so mm -hmm. there was a new era that was um john longmire's first year of coach yep. Um, that he took over that that I was up there. So uh, a little bit, he gave me a little bit of intel, but with the, the new change of the coaching. You can't really you know, take yeah. it with a grain of salt sort of thing. Yeah, and as I touched on earlier, we didn't talk a lot about footy. I reckon there was probably three times in my life that I <laughs> I did speak to him about it, um, yep. whether it be at trading or drafting or whatever it is. Um, yeah, I can't really recall if, if that was one of them, but yeah, I wouldn't have thought it was a big influence to get me up there. No, that's fair. So you ended up in Sydney. Um, what was it like? The Obviously, you, the, the exit conversation, you know, at West, uh, Western Bulldogs, you then head up to, you know, Sydney, up into another state, a new culture, more or less. What was that like for you? Yeah, me and my partner really enjoyed Sydney. We both moved up. Um, we were 21 at the time, so... It moved up at 21 to 24. That was the years that we were there. And um, it's a good time to be in Sydney. Yeah. When you were living up there, yeah, it was good. We we enjoyed ourselves. Um, I had Shane Biggs, the club, come to me and said, oh, you know, we've got a young rookie coming on. Do you mind having him for a few weeks until Christmas? Was like, as yeah, like, no, as like a housemate sort of thing? Yeah, as like a housemate, um, just to ease him into things. And, yeah, he ended up staying for, I think it was six to 12 months. So, yeah. <laughs> We built a really good relationship through that. And that's good. Um, yeah, we really enjoyed our time up there. Um, and it was in that period where the Swans were playing some pretty good footy. As oh, well. they were playing great footy. They ended up winning a, a flag yeah. while you were there. What yeah. was that season like? Like in general, the 2012 season at the Swans was the vibe, you know, sort of thing. Because I've spoken to a few premiership players from many different sports and they all say that the vibe that year that they won, it was totally different to every other season they've played. Would you agree with that sort of statement at the Swans that year? Uh, yeah, I would. Uh, as I was saying, in terms of we really enjoyed ourselves, I think that was the the um, the catalyst from the whole club. Like it was, everyone was in it together. 
I think that's why Sydney have been so successful over the years is mm. you've got no mates outside of footy, really. You've got your footy mates and that's about it. And Because otherwise it's rugby league. Yeah, yeah. And yeah, a lot of them are from interstate, whereas if you're from Melbourne, you, you sort of go back home and, and meet your friends and do whatever else. But there it's, yeah, your friends are your footy mates. So um, we used to go down to the local pub on a Thursday night and have a meal and draw in the raffle and it started three or four of us. And by the end, yeah, the night before the first final, there was 15 to 16 of us all having a meal and joined in on the raffle and bit of carry on. And it was good fun. So um, yeah, the whole vibe of the whole year was, was yeah, pretty good. That's, that's honestly so awesome to hear. Um, and obviously your time at the Swans came to an end. And you ended up at Carlton. What was the exit like, as you mentioned, for West from I keep kind of say West Coast from Western from Western Bulldogs to uh, Swans, but from Swans to Carlton. What was that exit, and you know, joining the Carlton, going back to Victoria, all that sort of stuff like? Yeah, it was a little bit. Um, this one was a little bit different. So it was end of two thousand and thirteen. I um, I ended up playing. I think it was twenty one or twenty two games, including the prelim against more or less a whole season. Yeah. Yeah, and we got absolutely smoked over there. So um, that wasn't good. But yeah, this is a this is why I really like Dong Long Mai. He's he's very fair, but he's also you know, stern when he needs to be. And yeah. um, I actually caught up with him a, a few months ago at, at one of the boys' birthdays up in Sydney, and we had a good conversation. And same thing as the Bulldogs, no animosity at all when we left. And that's great. Um, yeah, I think that's just the way you sort of I've treated most things which is good so what happened there was um exit interview go in there and they were just honest and said look we didn't think you were going to have the year that you had we had you delisted at the end of the year um but you played an extremely good season unfortunately we don't have you know, the spot slash space any money left yeah so um we just recommend if you want to hang you know hang around do so if not have a look elsewhere so I was like, okay no worries and um spoke to my manager and I said oh he's like where do you think and I was like oh anywhere but Carlton <laughs> sorry sorry as a Collingwood fan you can see like I absolutely love that so much Continue. yeah yeah so it's like anywhere but but Carlton and I was like oh so why, why do you say that and then I um so no nah, I won't get along with Mick Malthouse. I, I yeah, won't get up with him. Yeah. Old school coach, same as Rocket. Um, I, I wouldn't, I wouldn't like it. So, about an hour and a half later, I had a call from um, Andrew McKay, head of football at Carlton at the time. He's like, "How do you feel about joining Carlton?" Was there any other clubs that were interested? Uh, yeah, there was always a couple. Okay. Um, yeah, most most times I sort of finished up. There was always a couple, which is always nice to feel yep. wanted. Um, and I was like, oh, yeah, sort of thing. And he's like, um, would you entertain meeting Mick? Um, I said, yeah, I would. The only thing is I'm up in Port Douglas holidaying with my huh. family and there's only a few days left to trade period at this stage. Yeah. Um, so what happened then was he's like, okay, call me back. And he's like, Mick can be up there tomorrow morning. Oh, shit. So I was well, if like, he's willing to do that. Yeah, I was like, what do you I said, like, I'm Douglas. He goes, Yep, yeah, yep, yeah, no worries. He's like, he's he's got his family up here and um they're holidaying as well. So he'll come and see you and 
So he flew up. We, we had a good hour convo. And as soon as that finished, I called my manager and said, get me to Carlton. Also, um, Mick really sold it. Yeah, sort of yeah, yeah. Just that that um, work-life balance. I love okay. footy. I trained really hard, but yep. um, it wasn't my life. No. I sort of enjoyed myself, so, uh, myself outside of footy. And, yeah, he was a big believer of that. And, um, yeah, he was a big influence of getting me there. And, yeah, very thankful that he did because, yeah, I really enjoyed it. So, oh, and this was a year. So, finish up at Sydney and yes. sort of now all comes to fruition that it was myself, Shane Mumford, I think Jesse White at that time as well, Jed Lamb as well, all yep. sort of fringe players for the year except for Mummy, of course. But um, then the big bud come that year. So, yeah. that's where all the money went. <laughs> yeah, no, that, it absolutely makes sense in hindsight. Yeah. Um, and obviously you said that work-life balance, a lot of players, you know, like to play golf or they like to nowadays, you know, some are gamers, some like to do darts or whatever on like to help them decompress away from, you know, the high intensity pro sport. What was your sort of, you know, decompressing thing away from sport? Uh, mine was, um, mine was golf as well. Um, nice. I would just get out on the course and I would walk it by myself. Um, but weirdly enough, I would also go to the gym. So, yeah, I would, that was more so when I come back down to Melbourne. Yeah. I would do all my sessions, but then, you know, of an hour or two of night, I'd just go to a 24-7 gym and sit in there for a couple of hours and do some weights and listen to some music or whatever I wanted to do. But, yeah, just something to take my mind off. Away from the, like, you were doing a gym of your own accord, not of when the club was telling you you needed to. So it was kind of an escape as well. Yeah, it was. A, yeah, it was an it was an escape for me. I, I really enjoyed it. I like that side of um, the fitness side of things. But yeah, you couldn't tell the club because they wouldn't let you do it. So <laughs> that's um, fair. So for now, no, but no, back back then, definitely couldn't tell them. Um, yeah, yeah. And obviously, your time at Carlton, you did have Mick as as coach. Obviously, Dal Thomas, former Collingwood player, was there as well. What was the playing group, you know, and and what was it like playing at Carlton? Uh, uh. When you run out in front of 90,000 people, your first game at the MCG is, yeah, against Richmond is pretty unreal. Um, massive, massive club yeah. to be with. Um, yeah, the time there, footy clubs are all pretty similar in the sense you, you've got a bunch of boys from different backgrounds coming and, and playing a game, chasing the footy around. But um, in terms of... Yeah, I think I was a bit older, a bit more mature at 24 to 27. Um, <laughs> yep, but that yeah. still is definitely a mature age when it comes to AFL. Yeah, yeah. So a little bit more mature, but playing for a club like Carlton, um, almost like what I've said, I keep in contact with a few boys still. Um, the Shane O'Sullivan, who, who's um, general manager, I'm not too sure his role now, but still contact, you know, a lot of them and yeah really looking forward to getting down there and looking at the new facilities sometime soon because they're, they're pretty impressive yeah nice um and going on some fun sort of questions now uh, still related to the career who was the biggest pest at each club that you played at uh at each club yeah. okay uh carlton's definitely ed kerno yeah um, <laughs> yeah he's a pest and and still is uh sydney Pest, you'd say, uh, 
probably Gary Rowan at the time. Yep. Yep. He was, um, I'd almost think he's a little bit bipolar, Gary Rowan. He's, uh, <laughs> one day you'll come in and he'll just be up and about and carry on. The next day you wouldn't know what you're going to get, but oh, wow. he was the best. And then, um, yeah, from the dogs, yeah, that's a little, that's a tricky one. Mm. Not, not so much a pest, but definitely a good character to have around is Bob Murphy. Yeah. Um, yep. Yeah. He, he had that good balance and that's what I really liked about, I think a lot of the, the elite players had was that good balance of when to carry on and. But when to get on with it sort of thing yeah, as well. To get on. So yeah, not so much a pest, but definitely good, good value. Nah, that's that's awesome. Um, and obviously sometimes it's the same player when I ask this question as well, but sometimes it's not. Who was the funniest teammate at each club? Mm. Funniest would be uh yeah, Ed would be in yep. Carlton. Um funny just because he's a big idiot, really. Uh, uh, we're still good mates myself and Ed. Um, yep. but yeah, he would be one. Uh, Sydney, funny man. Um, yeah, that's a tricky one. Mm-hmm. Couldn't tell you off the top of my head. That's fair enough. And what about the dogs? And the dogs, funny man, the same. Yep, yeah, Bob I think you're right when you say. <laughs> yeah, yeah, well, th- th- there's been a few sometimes that have been different, like as in funniest and biggest pest. But usually, yeah. most players say you know the, the same the same player. Yeah. Um, which coach, obviously, because you had quite a few very good ones in John Longmire, Mick Malthouse, and all that sort of stuff. Which coach had the biggest influence on you, a as a player, and b more or less the person or man you are today? Uh, as a player was definitely Mick. So. I think I played my best footy at Carlton. Um, he was a big believer, which I now instill into my boys, uh, coach at the under-19 level of, I don't care what you do during the week, as long as Saturday or whatever day it was, that's when you're playing your best footy. So, yeah, absolutely. Um, you, you could miss 10 shots during, you know, during the weekly practice. But then go and do 20 extras and make sure you don't miss them on game day sort of thing. Yeah, yeah. And even, you know, oh, no, I'm not feeling that good today. I don't want to do weights. No worries. But make sure you come ready to play. So, yeah, um, yeah as long as you get yourself right to play game day. So, uh, I was a big believer in that. And that was part of, as I was saying before, the reason I came down um, or back down to Melbourne was, yeah, that belief. And I, I thought he got the best out of me in my footy. Yep. Um, and then as a person, I think it was, um, I think John Longmire did. Yep. I, I think that he was one to, as I was saying before, was very stern with what he was saying and would challenge you to a point where you didn't know if you could do it or not. But yeah, yeah. but you ended up always being able to do it. Yeah, yeah. But then also, yeah, it, it'll give you a clip when he needs it, but also give you a cuddle as well. So yeah, um, yeah I, I thought, him at that age of 21 to 24 was yeah very instrumental. Now that, that's awesome. Honestly, that's so awesome. And um, some quick fire questions, Apple or Android? Apple. Yep. Um, geez, I had the questions listed because I did it in the last episode. Um, Apple or Android. Um, what's your beer of choice? I don't drink beer. Okay. Yeah. So um, do you drink spirits? I'm, I'm a cider man. Okay. 
Yeah. So they, um, the boys, my under-19s boys call me Cider Everett. Yep. So, um, <laughs> Sorry, I, I just got that. That's great. Yeah, yeah, they call me that, which is uh, good fun. So, yeah, they call me that. But, yeah, that, that and the white wine, I don't mind. Okay. Well, what's your favourite cider then at the moment? Uh, there's a group down in Tassie called Willie Smith. Mm-hmm. They do a really nice cider. Very nice. Well, I'll definitely be sure to try that if I can find it anywhere nearby. Um, so there's there's beer of choice. There was um, Apple Android. Favorite movie of all time? Uh, this is a tough one. Mm. I've got two. Okay, that's two fine. really bizarre. Not bizarre. Mm-hmm. One's called Enemy at the Gates. It's that's, a that is a great film. Yeah, great film. It is. Yeah, Jude, Jude and- Law and. Uh, Ralph Fiennes' brother, I'm pretty sure it is, Joseph Fiennes, and Rachel Weiss, that one? Yes. Yes, great film. Yeah, great film. So um, mum introduced me to that when it sort of came out because it was around that era that my granddad, um, my two granddads actually fought against each other in the war. Oh, wow. Yeah, one was for Latvia fighting for Hitler, in a sense, Mm -hmm. and then the other one was English. So it was sort of around that era, and um, yeah, so that's a nice little... Fun of, fact for you. Yeah, but, wow. And then my other one, which is yeah, a bit bizarre, is I actually really enjoy Mean Girls. That is a great <laughs> film. Like people are like, oh, it's a guilty pleasure film. No, it's it's a great film. Especially yeah. yeah. I love I love Mean Girls. If we're talking like guilty pleasure type movies, I love Mean Girls and White Chicks. Yeah, yeah, but, definitely. Yeah, yeah, but my favorite often... movie of all time is is also a war movie. It's Saving Private Ryan. Yeah, yeah, right. Such a great film. I've been watching that movie since I mean, probably younger than I should have been, but since I was about eight years old. Yeah. Um, but yeah, Enemy of the Gates is definitely a close second. It's anyone who's listening that hasn't watched it, it's I, I highly recommend you do watch it. It's so intense from the start, um, Enemy of the Gates, but it's such a good film. Um, so favorite movie, uh, favorite like band if you've got one. Uh, yeah, we uh, we go to a few music events, myself and my partner. Mm-hmm. Um. Band is a tough one. I do like um, at the moment Gang of Views at the yep. moment. Um, yeah, very good. But also, um, we're a big fan of um, Australian women in music. So, yeah, okay. Um, like Vera Blue and Meg Mack, um, yep. big fans and that sort of genre as such. So, yeah, them two or them three at the moment. Yeah, nice. Now, that's awesome. Um, and there was one other question, sorry, two or three other questions, actually. The first question is, um, when you decided to retire, obviously, from AFL, it's not an easy decision to come to for anyone in professional sports. Um, how did the decision and how was the you know, decision-making process for you to retire? Yeah, it was a, it was a bit of both. So um, I'll, we'll swing back to when I said earlier about Rocket and yep. um, when I exited. So at the end of 2015, I, I came off my best year at Carlton. Um, Mick ended up getting the sack that year. Um, I won the leading goal kicking. Yep. Even though I was on a, a slim total of 31, but you still you still win it. So still take um, it. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, and I was pretty flat with um, Mick leaving, obviously being a big influence in me getting there and, Yep. enjoying my footy um and then that was a year brendan bolton come on board and then i had a call with a couple of a couple of days to go on the trade period saying oh yeah 
would you entertain going back and playing under rocket? At, the, at the Bulldogs? No, he was at Gold Coast. Oh, okay, shit. So, um, sat down, spoke with my partner. It was a pretty enticing deal. Um, I only had one year left to run on my contract at Carlton. Yeah, but you were probably established down in Victoria by that point. Yeah, sort of yeah, yeah. Um, and they sort of weren't looking at extending at that stage. So, mm-hmm. um, Gold Coast came with a three-year, and I was like, three years why not let's have a crack and um yeah Carlton sort of wouldn't let me go but oh geez so at that that's sort of what I was saying earlier but at that stage I was 27 I was more mature I could I reckon I would have understood Rocket and what he was about yeah um, and all that sort of thing so I actually played a game this year earlier this year and Rocket was this the coach of the opposition so oh wow um, in the rooms after we we sat down for a good half an hour at a chat saying how you are and all this sort of stuff. So yeah, that was, um, that was a bit interesting. So yeah, that was sort of the roundabout figure. I was a bit more mature, um, thought I could understand, not take it so personally, yep. um, which I knew it never was. It was more just about in the day it's a business and oh, absolutely. so yeah, I, I think I learned that when I got up to Sydney. Um, so yeah, when I, so in terms of the retirement, it was a bit interesting. So I, I was playing okay, but not really getting games and all that sort of stuff my last year. Mm-hmm. Um, what ended up happening was myself and my partner, I was 27. She's a couple of years older. We sat down. I went into the meeting, exit meeting, saying I'm done. Yep. And then as I got in, into As in I'm done playing football or I'm done yeah, here at yeah. Carlton? No, I'm done playing footy. So whether whether you offered me a if they offered me a, a year or rookie, whatever it was, I was not going to take it. Yep. Um, I just had enough, and yep. I was I just thought, look, 27. I need to try and do something. Do I punch out another year or two at another club? No, I, no. I thought, no. Let's move on with life. Move out of this environment and and transition on yeah transition and they should have had the same same view they'll go on the younger i think they got rid of 45 players within three years. well i mean that hasn't really panned out well for carlton yeah so they got rid of a lot um yeah and i, I was just one of them and um yeah you sort of go you do the exit meeting which yep. at this stage well this day and age it wouldn't be too weird but back then via zoom i wasn't too impressed with yeah um, and then you go out and then go meet the personal you know welfare manager and he's like how are you feeling i was like look honestly i'm fine yeah you know, it, it's been in my head for the last three to four weeks this is my decision this is what i was going to do um so yeah it sort of worked out really well and yeah haven't regretted it one day since that's fair and obviously the transition from full-time footy to uh you know effective civil effectively civilian type life you know you're no longer military being paid to play footy being paid to stay fit to regular normal workday life what was the transition like for you uh it was good uh, i didn't mind it so um i think what was tough was i ended up doing a mature age apprenticeship as a carpenter so yep. as soon as i finished footy i took the rest of the year off and then started in January as a first year apprentice. So wow. um, being 27 and then my partner was decided um, 
she was studying for a while, wanted to do a law degree. Yep. So I was a first year apprentice. She was a first year law student. Wow. Um, it got a little bit tough at the end of the, the three years. And that's where it was sort of very thankful for the AFL and the AFLPA in yep. terms of, um, you know, looking after us in terms of retirement funds and bits yeah, and pieces. That's a very, that's a very great like initiative that they've got there with the AFLPA. Yeah. Yeah. So if it wasn't for that, um, yeah, we wouldn't have been able to you know, keep the house or educate ourselves to be able to further our careers where now we're both, you know, I've been qualified for a few years now and um, she's sort of just finishing up her law. She's been working, but she just needs to do one last little thing, which finishes yep. in Feb. Oh, awesome. Fully fledged lawyer. So yeah, it's our transition. I found it pretty easy. Um, yep. You did have to cut back on a lot in terms of like yeah, luxuries and whatnot. Yeah. Yeah. You live a pretty lavish lifestyle being an AFL player, but people are like you, you walk out with millions of dollars. It's like, no, you don't. You, you, you really don't because no. sorry to interrupt, but you'd definitely be no. able to be one that can speak on this. So many people, you know, I've had such a, you know, privilege of interviewing a lot of former AFL, NRL soccer players that do get paid millions and whatnot across their whole season. Sorry, across their whole career. And yeah. there's people that, as you said, have the goal to say, oh, they've got millions of dollars after their career. They don't realize that they don't, not all players get, you know, say they sign on for 500K a year. They don't necessarily see that 500K in that year. That Some of that is added up as incentive bonuses. Some of that is, you know, you've got to make a certain amount of games in that season to qualify for the 500,000. Not only that, you've got on top of that, you've got a mortgage, you've got, you've got regular bills. So yeah. many people don't understand that. And do you sort of um, get that sort of frustration that I'm all dead and worked up at about now when, when people say that? uh yeah to a degree they're, they're just like oh you know what else do you do apart from play footy it's like nothing it's your full-time job it's 40 hours a week like everyone else um yeah you get paid well but you also live well so mm. um you get six weeks seven weeks off at the end of the year and you you know you spend your money going on holidays and doing bits and pieces yeah you live a good life and you spend your money but if you're smarter there's some people you know in hindsight, yeah, you can save more money if you want to, but um, you also want to enjoy it while you're young and that yeah. sort of thing. So, yeah, it, you're right. The average, whatever the average AFL wage is now, it's not. Yeah. So, yeah, there's still people going on, you know, say, 100 grand or 120 grand. You still think it's a lot, but. But when you when when you dumb it down, it's it's really not. And there's so yeah. many people that don't under there are so many people obviously that understand that, but there are also just as many that don't. And the you know, when the contract debacles come up at the end of the year, you know, will this player re-sign? They want this in their contract, they're asking this much money, and people get yeah. all up in arms and they're like, Oh, um, oh, why should why are they asking for this much? They've already got, you know, X amount of money over the last few years. It's like, how do you know they've still got it? You know, all that sort of stuff. Yeah, yeah. It's it's in pardon my language, it's bullshit when people try to assume that sort of stuff. Yeah, exactly. So it, no, you get a little bit, but no, yeah. it's okay. No, absolutely. It, it, it gets me that. And what also gets me is because I've had the privilege of interviewing now 154 uh, current and former professional sports people. Another thing is um, the bad boys, not you in particular, but you know, there's some fans that all they see is hate for a player. 
and they've yeah. never met this person, this player outside of football at a fan day or had the privilege like to interview them such as myself. And they just hate, hate, hate. And I'm just thinking like they'll, they'll comment on every post that this person makes, you know, that hate, hate, hate sort of stuff. And I'm just like, mate, you don't know them. They may be an absolutely top bloke off the field and they just get white line fever. And that yeah. helps me segue into a question of who was the worst player to play against on the field as in who would always rough you up, you know, or would have white line fever when, whenever you would play against them. Ooh, yeah. I, I do hate that as well, to be honest. Um, <laughs> in terms- I, I, I definitely hate the white line fever, but a lot of people, yeah, it's like, Oh, he's yeah. a shit bloke. It's like, you've only seen him on the field. Yeah. You know? Yeah. And when you're talking to my brother, he's, he'll be one of them. He's polarizing in terms of people who love him or hate him. Mm. Um, hopefully now. But he's chalk so. and cheese when it comes to off the, yeah. off the field. Lovely bloke from what I've encountered with him so far. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. So, um, yeah, it, it, is, it does get like that a little bit. Um, but in terms of white line fever, I, I still remember it was my first year I had dreadlocks. And, <laughs> yep. Yeah. You, you and Spider both had dreadlocks at some point in your careers. Yeah, people thought it was I, I got them because of him, but I actually got them because of Chance Bateman. I loved Chance Bateman back in the day. So, yep. <laughs> um, nice. but yeah, it was my first uh, my first year playing against Hawthorne, and um, we got into a scuffle with Campbell Brown. Yep, yep. End up pulling my hair and saying, "Just like your brother." I was like, "You don't even know me." Yeah. Like, how, how do you know I'm just like him sort of thing? And yeah, and so. then to pull the hair, that's a bit of a dick move as well. <laughs> sure is. But um, so White Line Fever, he was always one. But yep. again, I've never met him off the field, so I don't know. He could be a, a great bloke. Um, yep. And then, yeah, the, the one which I understand and only because I played with him. Barry Hall? Oh, no, Barry sorry. Hall, sorry, yes. I, I thought it might have been Barry because he was at the – um dogs at some point sorry continue yeah yeah he was yeah but um mitch robinson yes yeah yeah so he definitely he's definitely a pest on the field for sure (laughs) pest on and off the field he he could go in he could go in the one at carlton actually well i've definitely um I've definitely watched a lot of his, you know, Twitch streams when he does video games and whatnot lately. And he yeah. definitely seems like a really nice guy. Like yeah, a guy he, that you could you could have a beer with, but also one that, you know, gives it as good as he gets it sort of thing. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Yeah, you could have a beer with him. You wouldn't have it any more than a few with him. Because yeah. then he gets his white line fever off the field. But he's, um, no, nah, he's a river bloke. I really like Mitchie. That's awesome. Um, and I've got two last questions for you. What's next for you in terms of life? Yeah, so um, as I said, I, I did my carpentry apprenticeship. Um, yep. I went out on my own for a year and then uh, learned the role as a construction manager. So oh. at this stage, I'm doing residential construction as, as a manager. So we sort of, um, the group that I work for, we sort of do a lot of um, kitchen bathroom renovations. Yep. At any stage, we're sort of looking after about 15 or so of them um as well as sort of mid to high end uh, extension so yep. yeah that, that's keeping me busy I, I really enjoy the field i really enjoy being on the tools and now sort of now that i've got my head around what exactly it takes to build a house um yeah to be able to pass that wisdom and i think the beauty even though i'm still pretty raw in um 
the building construction game, what I've learned through footy yep. is being able to manage people and, and talk yeah. to people. And, and of uh, course, the teamwork that comes that goes with it as well. Yeah, yeah. So you need to know your stuff, but you also need to be able to manage people, which, yeah, um, that's what I'm very grateful for from footy is being able to do that. That's awesome. And one last question is a sort of segment that actually I've got two questions, probably not because I just remembered that I started a segment last episode with Xavier Ellis and it was a guest. The the guest has to ask a question for the next guest and um, they don't know who the next guest is. Um, Obviously, you know who my next guest is any guest is anyway. So I'll ask Xavier's question for you first. And that was, if you had your last few dollars, would you invest it in property or the stock market? I uh, know nothing about the stock market, so it would definitely be in property. Yeah, absolutely. And obviously the last one is, oh, I mean, I may as well mention it in, in this episode, but my next guest coming up is your brother, Spider Everett. And what question do you have for our next guest? Um, I, I want you to set a timer for him. Yep. This, um, I want him to have 30 seconds. Mm-hmm. And I would like him to, so I've got uh, five brothers and sisters. Yep. I've gotten it 19 nieces and nephews and I want him to name them all apart from his kids. All of the 19, so minus his kids, yeah. all the nephews and nieces. Yeah, within okay. 30 seconds. Within 30 seconds, okay. I want to thank you very much for your time, Dre, and absolutely enjoyed having you on the show. No worries, thanks for having me. I really enjoyed it, it was good. Peter Spider Everett, how's your morning going yeah. so far? Oh, it's, yeah, it's good, I'm here. <laughs> uh, I think, uh, yeah, I'll... I'm on the Gold Coast, so can't get any better. I think we've had a, a big couple of weeks. And, uh, yeah, look, there's so much happening on the Gold Coast each and every week. And, you know, everyone always travelling here, there, and everywhere. So, yeah, love it. No, absolutely. It's so good. Like, last weekend, we had the Gold Coast 500. The first question, obviously, is definitely a, a stitch-up by our brother, Dre. Okay. Because, um, obviously, the last guest asks a question to be the first question for the next episode. And his was, can you name all of your 19 nieces and nephews? Oh, Jesus. <laughs> Um, no, I got no hope. I wouldn't know. I know there's Jake and Madison and Emerson. Yep. Um, yeah, I would, I, you know what, if I start naming them, I'm going to forget. I wouldn't have a clue. <laughs> yep. And yeah, big, but I've got, you know what I used to do? Cause there's so many of them. Yeah. And I, I struggle to remember my own kids' names, <laughs> let alone my nieces and nephews. But what I used to do was I'd buy them all a bigger Christmas present. Yep. Because I say, look, I've got no hope of remembering your birthday. Yeah. So at least yeah. I know what day Christmas is. That's exactly it. And I'll buy you a bigger Christmas present. So yeah. normally it was pretty easy back in the day because I'd leave St. Kilda, I went to Hawthorne, so I brought them all a Hawthorne jumper. And then I went to Sydney, so I brought them all a Sydney jumper. Yeah. Uh, and then you'd have you know, 18 kids running around with a Hawthorne jumper on Christmas Day <laughs> or Sydney jumper on. But yeah, that was, yeah, I, yeah, what well Andre, I'd have no <laughs> idea. No, that's fair enough. And one question I also want to ask before we get started about your career is um, I saw it, an article like from 2010 ago, back when Dre signed with the Swans. Um, but Dre said that you guys didn't and don't really talk footy much in general in, in your careers. But the Swans said that, you know, he went to you for advice as to whether he should sign for the Swans. Is that true or not yeah. true? So, yeah, no, we never really like, yeah, there's a big age that gap Absolutely, between yeah. us. Yeah, I'd already started playing 
um, you know, footy and uh, I kind of moved out of home before, you know, he was kind of walking. Literally, he said he was about three by the time when you were playing AFL sort of thing. Yeah, yeah. So when he was, yeah, eight, nine, ten, absolutely, it was, it was great. And, uh, you yeah, know, didn't really talk a lot of footy because he used to play junior footy. I'd go down and take some clinics, but he wasn't yep. really into, you know, the AFL. Yep. And, and then he started uh, really making some big inroads. And in just when he was thinking about going to Sydney, he just rang me and asked me what it was like, what he thought, what I thought of the players. Would it be a good fit for him? Um, okay. And absolutely, I thought it would be. And it, and it was. Um, so, yeah. So, that was really the, the most footy we really talked. No, that's fair enough. Well, I mean, it's also good because, as, he, as you said, he had an older brother who's been in the AFL system for a while at the time. And he could, you know, get your advice about a club that you've been to that's offering interest. And he loved it at the Swans, as I'm sure you're, you're well aware. Absolutely. But let's get started on your, you know, your junior footy. Your, your grassroots is actually from Mornington, which is where my grandparents are from. I've been down Mornington Peninsula more times than I can count. It's a lovely part of the world. Um, did you grow up there or was it just a place you were born sort of thing? Yeah, no, I uh, we started, it was it was funny because we were down around, you know, the morning Peninsula and yep. then we moved up to one Turner yep. and played at the one Turner Devils. That was their first ever, ever year. Oh, okay. I mean, early 80s and I was under nines. Uh, and actually in the same team as me in the under nines. And we used to live three doors up from each other yep. in Roehampton Avenue. There was myself, two doors down was uh, Raiden Tallis, who yep. played uh, 120, 130-odd games for Hawthorne. Yep. And then two houses up from there was Chris Curran, who played 150-odd games yep. at, uh, at Collingwood. Yeah, wow. So, And we all grew up playing for the Winterner Devils. Wow, that's awesome. Yeah, yeah. So, And then uh, we moved with Dad's job and everything, and we ended up moving yep. down to the uh, Mornington Peninsula. Yep. And we grew up. Well, you know, you've been down the Mornington Peninsula. I yeah. bet you went the nice side, whether it's Mornington and Mount Martha and Mount Eliza. Well, Mount Martha Golf Course, I've played there heaps of times yeah. with, with my grandfather. But my, my grandparents lived near, obviously, you may know Benton Square, oh, Benton's yeah. Road. Yeah. They, they live sort of around there sort of thing. Yeah, yeah. Well, I'm on the totally the other side of oh, the Peninsula. Okay. I'm on yep. a dodgy side. Oh, okay. Crip yep. Point, Hastings. Yep, yep. <laughs> I know where those are. Yep. <laughs> the dodgy side. That was my side. Okay. Uh, and I went to, um, you know, I went to Crip Point Primary and, you know, got involved with the Crip Point Footy Club, the Collingwood Colours, the Magpies. I am a Collingwood fan for reference, so yeah. it's good to hear that you played at some point for a Magpies team. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. And then, um, yeah, and then, you know, end up going to Hastings and then getting picked up from there. So, yeah, really my junior footy was more so around that Crip Point Footy Club. Yeah, so definitely around the Mornington Peninsula. Yeah. Because there was nowhere that I could find. Obviously, Wikipedia isn't really too great for facts or anything, but all they said about your early life was born in Mornington and, and moved to one Turner. And I'm like, what the fuck can I yeah. go off from there? So yeah. I was like, I'll ask him about Mornington and see if it, if it went around there, which it Absolutely. ended up doing And that. for those people who were around there and listening, you know, you used to have your tan eyes who were the scary ones. Yeah. Um, Crip Point were, you know, we were always the easy team to beat. Hastings were a bit Well, the scary. easy team, you ended up producing three AFL stars, yourself, Chris, and um, who was the other one? Yeah, sorry? Rain Tellers. Yeah, and that Rain was Tellers. one Turner, yeah. Oh, so. that was one Turner. Yeah, that's right. Um, so obviously going, going forward from your grassroots footy in one Turner and, uh, you know, the Morningston area, you got drafted, well, not drafted, but you got picked up, you know, sort of thing by St Kilda, played 180 games for St Kilda. First of all, what was it like going from grassroots footy into a massive system such as the AFL? Well, it was interesting for me when we first started because this was actually before the draft. This yeah. was when they were still zoned. So yeah. I played with uh, beads in my hair one day against Frankston Hastings versus Frankston. Frankston's the, a big club, as, as yeah. anyone will know. And the coach from Frankston, uh, he coached the under-19s and his sons played there and I played against him and then he asked me to come down to 
come down to uh, Moorabbin for the under-19s. So I played at St Kilda under-19s, a few games for them, and then they kept, cut that at the end of the year. Yep. And they said, oh, do you want to stay on? We'll put you on the list to hopefully you know, improve to play reserves. Yep. So that was in um, you know, 92. I was lucky enough to play a few games in the reserves. And then 93, make my um, senior debut. So I was lucky. I was still under the the system where, you know, you had certain zones. So St Kilda zone was the Mornington Peninsula okay. and up towards Ballarat where Danny okay. Frawley, yep. um, Tony Lockett and these kind of guys come from. I was wondering, do you know how or why St Kilda managed to get that Zord, the Mornington area as that as their zone. I think it was just it pretty much ran from Morabin all the way oh, down. So I, then yeah, yeah, you know Carlton and Richmond and all you know Geelong and every Melbourne, all the clubs had certain zones yep, around that they could pick talent from. Sort and of that thing. was pretty much VFL days before yeah. AFL. Yeah, yeah, no, absolutely. So that's really interesting because obviously I was trying to find out if you were drafted or not. But yeah, that's. It's yeah, crazy to hear that they had zones because back, you know, NRL, if anyone's listening from Queensland or New South Wales, because big NRL states, there's not a draft and it is somewhat still zoned to an extent. You know, they've got their feeder clubs and those, they come through the ranks of, of that way, not, you know, so it's kind of interesting to hear how the AFL was kind of like that Absolutely. Back, in the, back in the day. And that's why a lot of the players come from, you know, the same kind of areas. Yeah, so. yeah absolutely. You know, you've yeah. got people who you grew up with and it's the same thing nowadays where you see, you know, the... um dandenong and all those sort of those sort of clubs yeah. and the sandringham and all those sort of clubs you see players come through and they rep those private school clubs but you know that sort of stuff yeah um obviously you went on to play 180 games and kick 300 goals for saints then you went obviously through and traded to hawthorne what was the move like from st kilda to hawthorne yeah it was it was interesting it's something that i need to do yep. more personally than anything okay. um i've to be honest, I probably made the front page of the paper a lot more times <laughs> than I uh, really wanted to. So, yeah. Uh, yeah. So I, I thought I was doing the the work off the field and at training, and uh, you know I was playing pretty good con- consistent footy. But yeah. you know I had a perception out there that I was a, a party boy, didn't really care, just uh, you know just were there for just fun rather than yeah. actually hard work. So I thought um, to change yeah, so that I thought, perception, you know what, I'll uh, try and just go to a different footy club and see how I go. Now I was, my initial um, intention was to go to Collingwood. Oh, we that would have been great. I would have loved to see you there. I had a meeting uh, with uh, Neil Baum and, uh, you know, the, the hierarchy at the time. And we had it in my manager's uh, house and uh, that was going to be the deal. You were a much needed Ruckman, tall, tall Ruckman yeah, for sure. Yeah, well, it was right before, uh, you know, Josh Fraser yep. and these blokes. So you sit there and go, okay, well, what do we, what do we kind of do? And uh, we were going to do the deal. And then St Kilda, Grant Thomas, who was uh, in charge at the time, wouldn't do the deal with Collingwood. And oh. you didn't have a say like you do these days. You, know? yeah. you can't sit there and go, I'm homesick or, you know, you can't pick your club and say, oh, that's where I want to go. And yeah. the clubs work it out. They they choose. They, yeah. they own you. And they said, no, nah, this is where you're going to go because we're going to get the best deal. So yeah. Yeah. I ended up going to Hawthorne. Yeah. So I went down there, which I was very grateful for as well you know the family club i had a uh, a young daughter single dad at the time so it was kind of a kind of perfect little fit as well so it was it was it was good it was something that um you know i wanted to do and uh you know played four years there and yeah. enjoyed it yeah absolutely and speaking of those four years there obviously there's an infamous photo of when you're at st kilda against hawthorne which i've actually got in my bag to anyone who's listening to this episode i'll actually pop the image up on the screen now can you explain what that photo was and how like what come about in the story behind it yeah well uh we're playing hawthorne against st kilda and i yep. looked at shane crawford and i yep. gave him pretty much uh the two fingers up two fingers up saying i just kicked my second goal oh, okay and it put us 53 points up <laughs> sorry yeah yeah wow. but then 
Yeah. After that, I gave uh, something happened. I gave Crawford free kick. Yep. He got a fifty, and then I gave a little bit more feedback. So yep. he got a hundred meters. Yep. He kicked the goal, and they come back and beat us. Oh. So the second biggest comeback in AFL history. Yeah. Is from yeah myself giving away 100 meters to Shane Crawford wow. and Hawthorne coming back to beat us. So that photo is literally a little bit of a photos taken before there was a disaster. Absolutely, sort of, sort of thing. And then we didn't even go on. St Kilda went on to you know, the next 12 months really struggle in the third quarters. Wow. Yeah, we went on to really have that mental struggle. Yep. Um, to get that edge. So wow. Yeah, there's a lot of history behind. Yeah, and that's what you love about seeing. Yeah. Photos back in the day that can um, you know take you back to certain. Does moments. that photo haunt you, or does it like in retrospect make you laugh a bit now? Oh, it makes me laugh now, but yeah. not at the time. It haunted yeah. me at the time, and absolutely, absolutely. and uh, <laughs> and the coaches and every player. So yeah, no, I got drilled about it. Don't worry about that. <laughs> oh, I can imagine. <laughs> I can imagine. Um, and obviously from Hawthorne, you then went to uh, Sydney of all places. So obviously packing up everything you know in Victoria all the way up to Sydney. What was that like? Yeah, again, you know, I left Hawthorne, um, you know, Alistair Clarkson had come in, he was getting a little uh, rid of the older blokes and, yep. uh, you know, what he was, what he did, you, you kind of sit back down and say, absolutely, did it for the right reason. We're four flags. Yeah, and, absolutely. You, know, you can't, can't question that. But the time they were doing the transition, I, you didn't know how long that transition was going to take, even yep. though they had, a, you know, he walked into a gun sock. Oh, absolutely. Hodge and Mitchell and Lewis and Bateman and then you got Ruffhead and Lu um franklin and these places so and he recruited well but at the same time you didn't know how many years you had there so yeah. i wanted to get a couple of years and i knew jason ball from sydney was going to retire at the end of 05 yep so i tried to get there at the end of 05 when sydney won the flag and yep. um tried to get there in 06 and when they also almost won a flag well they didn't and my deal didn't go through so yeah we're not like the nrl where we no. we if we say we're going to go somewhere we don't go there yeah People don't want you at your that, that football club. So yeah. it was the hardest year because one, you kicked out of the leadership group. They don't really want you. I was yeah. playing all right foot in the first half, got sick, uh, injured in the second half of the year. So it was a tough year. And yeah. then uh, they As did, in the final year at Hawthorne. Yeah. Yeah. And then they did the deal and said, Oh, well, you can go to Sydney in uh, 07. And yeah, I played okay. 07, 08, but really I should have been there 06, 07, 08. Yeah, no, that's fair enough. And yeah. do you think maybe that extra year at Hawthorne, obviously because you got injured at the back at like the second half of that season, um, like hindered your time at the Swans oh, sort of thing? Oh, absolutely. Hindered both. Like, um, you know, I really enjoyed my time at Hawthorne up until that kind of last yeah. year. And then, you know, I was, wasn't able to give Sydney the best of what I, I thought I, I could offer yeah. because I missed out in that 06. And, and got injured at the got back injured end of that season. And, you yeah. know, coming back and trying to get a preseason after doing an ankle and stuff. So, yeah, yeah it was a it was a, a tough time. And, yeah. you know, and plus when you're towards the end of your career as well, um, you know, you're trying to make everything work as much as you can. So, yeah, yeah it was... It was hard, but um, you know, thanks to the Swans, I was still able to get a couple of years and really enjoy that. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and before we get into like the quick fire questions, the retirement transition and all that sort of stuff, the Great Australian Doorstep, how did that come about? And because I used to love watching it. I know it's still on at the moment. Yeah. Uh, are you on it anymore? Or is yeah. that, that sort of... Yeah, no, myself and my wife, uh, yeah, still travel around. Uh, it was mainly about, you know, when we finished from football, I wanted to take the kids around Australia. Yeah. And, um, you know, I'd never, you know, when you... Traveling with footy, you fly into a place, you catch a bus to the uh, the hotel, you stay in the hotel, you catch a bus to the game, you go back to the hotel. And then you're flying back. Flying back. You actually get to see nothing. And, yeah. um, you know, I think the best thing about driving is drive, you know, drive to all the games and see absolutely everything, you yeah. know. And I love Australia. So I thought, you know what, I'm going to take the kids around and I thought at the same time I'll film it. 
and put it on TV because there was no real kind of caravan camping no, there travel wasn't. shows no. for, for families. There no. were for the grey uh, nomads. Yeah, yeah, you know, there the 65-year-olds. But now it's such a family industry that at the time I started, we were the only caravan and camping show. Oh, I loved watching it. I yeah. used to watch it always on Saturday, Sundays, afternoons and stuff. Yeah. It, was, it was great. So yeah, so we still do it, and uh, yeah, that was the that was the theory behind it. And then it got yeah, the kids had school, it got a bit too hard. So I do a lot of the travel, and my wife does a lot of the travel ourselves now. But yeah, gee, we've been traveling for 12, 13 years, and there's just so many, so much good stuff out there. Where's to your see. favorite place that you've been so far, or your oh, top three if you can pick a top? Yeah, three. I think I'd have to go top three. I love yep. it, Lady Elliot Island. If you love your snorkeling and scuba diving mm -hmm. and, and marine life, I reckon yep. Lady Elliot Island just out of uh, off Bundaberg um is unbelievable like it's just amazing place uh for me i love red dust i love getting out to the outback yep. uh get out to the outback go and uh you know see the outback pubs go and drive those dirt roads for four hours and you know see a muster and see all that kind of stuff uh you know head to places like Longreach and yep. um charleville and uh you know all those outback australian towns aussie towns, aussie yep. towns. and i think the other one i think definitely worthwhile going is just look at some of the great festivals we have around Australia. Yeah. You got the big red bash, you got the gimpy muster, you've got, you got the Denny Ute muster, Denny Ute muster, which I absolutely love. Yeah. You know, you've got all those fantastic different, and there's something for everyone. Yeah. You, know, you got a watermelon festival. Speaking you, of festivals coming up, literally no plug at all, but I live in the Tweed area this weekend, the Mwollombar shows back for the first time in two years. Yeah. So yeah. And some of the agricultural shows, some of the country cups where, yeah. you know, a whole old town will, sh will shut down. Guys and girls will wear suits and, and dresses for the only time in the year. <laughs> yeah. And a town will swell from 300 to 4,000 yeah. for a weekend. So yeah, look, there's just so much that that's, I can't really, yeah, put it down to a couple, but there's a few but the ideas. experiences sort of thing. No, Absolutely. That's, that's honestly awesome. Um, and last thing I, I get, I'm going to ask before we go into the retirement and some fun questions is, is during your time, you were during your time at St. Kilda a little bit, as you mentioned, you were regarded somewhat as a bad boy, bad guy sort of image. Um, do you think that that had an effect on you on and off the field during your time at St. Kilda? Oh, oh it, yeah, it does. But you kind of, you know, you look back now and think, what was I thinking? But I think you, anybody can look back at certain parts of their life. And, uh, you know, I was... You know, I wasn't into footy yet too much and I didn't know a lot about, you know, the, you know how big football was. So, yeah. You know, I followed it on television a little bit, but not a great deal. Peter yeah. Dacos you know, was my favourite player. And, yep. you know, and then suddenly you, you thrust, you know, you're thrown right in the mix of it. Um, you know, you are playing AFL, you're making the papers and, yep. you know, you're making headlines. And, yeah, so it was tough. And, you know, I think the toughest time was, you know, when I got done for racial vilification, you yep. know, no doubt. Um, you know, when you've got media camping outside your place and, you know, your six-year-old daughter getting picked on at school and mm -hmm. I think you don't think it also your family, your mum and dad and your sisters. So, it, that was a, a real tough personal time. Like a like a bit of a, like, and I hate to use the word, but like a bit of a wake-up call for you for your career, yeah, would you say? Yeah, absolutely. There's a couple of moments and that that was one of them. And, yep. you know, and it showed the lack of respect too I had from listening through school and, yep, gotcha. and knowing a little bit about, you know, knowing a lot about, um, you know, Indigenous history. And, and now, you know, through my travel, and that was a yep. part of why I did it as well, I've been able to go to, Know, different communities and do give back and, yeah. and learn so much more about it. And that's each, awesome. Yeah. Each year, you know, we take a whole heap of um, donated footy boots and footy jumpers and, and training gear 
out to some of these communities That's awesome. through Northern Territory and uh, Northern South Australia and, and the top end of WA. So, you know, same time, really tough time, but yep. a great experience now that I'm able to live and uh, give back. So kind of, yeah, that was, that, that was a real tough time at the time as well. Yeah, absolutely. And that's fair enough. So let's get into some fun sort of topics. We've got some quick fire questions. First of all, who was the biggest pest at each club that you played at? Oh, you have to say Milne at St Kilda. Yep. Absolutely. Uh, <laughs> Buddy at um, Hawthorne. Hawthorne. Only because he... he he just it was just buddy. Yep. He was just very, very happy with himself. But uh he could be I mean, the, he, the skill he's got is kicked a thousand. Absolutely. So and Nick Davis. Yep. Nick Davis at uh, Sydney Swans. I interviewed Nick Davis and he 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 I can't remember who he said he said was the biggest pest, but it definitely said it wasn't himself. Oh no, it, it was him and he uh he would have told you how he put a medallion around everybody's neck, did he? <laughs> no, he didn't. Oh, he reckons he won on the flag. <laughs> He's a good fellow. Uh, no, that's fair enough. Um, who was the most influential coach during your time as a player that sort of shaped the man you are now? Oh, look, I still reckon Stan Els. Yep. Stan Els early days. Uh, we didn't have a we had a love hate relationship, but um, yeah, I think he still got the better, the best out of me, and uh, you know the things he put in place and certain uh, parts and aspects. Uh, you know, I was able to learn from. So yeah, Stan Els, and then you know I love Paul Ruse as a coach later yep. in life. Absolutely. No, absolutely. That's goes without saying he's been said to be a great man himself who was the funniest teammate at each club oh funniest um look I, yeah yeah danny frawley actually yeah, yeah very fun like he was always because he was because we used to only have one captain yeah There's, so there was no co-captains it was nah, just one and captain. whatever the captain said we did yep. so come footy trip time he'd absolutely have a ball and he'd, <laughs> he'd be joking around and laughing but when it got time to be serious he'd be very very serious so yep. he's actually a very very big character always having a joke always having a laugh always brought the mood to the party so look yeah absolutely i think um you know spud at uh st kilda my days at hawthorne um it was it was the funniest there look there's a couple of funny ones but i i still think like somebody like michael osborne you know yep. he used to be a bit of a, a bit of a laugh bit of a character you know a bit of a joke you know that you know you look at those characters like milney you don't get those every day of the week but no, um you, you know ozzy he uh he backed himself as a <laughs> uh as a bit of a character and sydney sydney were a little bit more reserved than uh okay. most most footy clubs, okay. but um, still, you'd, you'd still classify Nick Davis as, yeah, the, as, the, as, funny, that, yeah. as the funny character as well. No, that's fair enough. Um, and uh, one second, if you could have a superpower, what would it be? Oh, I reckon you've be, already got super high. Yeah, super high. <laughs> you want to be invisible, don't you? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Sure. I think he, out of everything, fly on the wall. Type yeah, thing. if you could be anything, you'd love to be invisible yeah. just so you can sit in the team meetings. Well, you sit in the one-on-ones with others and actually yeah. find out. Sit in the coach's room. My mum and my mum can speak a different language, so it'd be nice to see what they're talking about. But I know how visible that's going to help. But anyway, oh, yep. I just think being invisible would be yep. the go. No, absolutely, it would be. Um, Apple or Android? Oh, I'm Apple. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, got F- Apple everything. So the only thing I don't have that's Apple is my laptop, but that's just for editing purposes. But I use iPhone, I like iPad, all that sort of stuff. Yeah, so. and normally when you talk Apple, it's Apple hand me down because yeah, my wife gets the first, and then she hands it down to my son, who hands it down to my daughter, who yep. hands it down to me. So I'm fourth in line <laughs> of the Apple products. Yes. Now that that's fair enough, but hey, they're still. You know, they're going all right now, which is pretty good. Um, what's your favorite movie of all time? Shallow Hell. 
great film and that was Absolutely. a very quick thank answer you. i See, love that thank you very much finally somebody said a great film it is it is a great oh. film but it's also that was such a quick answer i love that because every other guest i've asked has had to think about it they're like mm, you know and will schofield in particular yeah um he was like look i'm not going to give you some sort of punty answer like shawshank redemption which was also by the way dre's answer oh um, yeah. but he goes i'm not going to give you some sort of answer that like makes me seem worldly or whatever he goes got to go back to childhood and his one was major pain oh okay yeah. oh. so I, I love it that you were so quick with that and it's such a good answer because it is a good film my favorite for the record is saving private ryan but, okay but i but i've been watching that since i was about I sh- too young than i should have been but i was about eight years old when i started watching that but shallow hell is a very very good oh film. my <laughs> ambition is to put it back on the big screen uh on the gold coast and have yep. a showing for everybody oh, i just think it's that would uh, be amazing underrated Oh, 100% it is 100% it is and last of the fun questions is uh what's your beer or drink of choice oh I go straight to VB yeah absolutely so vitamin B and I know all my mates hate it which Victor is even, Bravos. yep which is even better because you know what they buy it and they don't drink it that's so even better it actually sits in the esky and no one steals it it stays there yep and I know exactly how many I've drinking how many I've drunk how many I've got left so yeah absolutely that's that's my go-to no that's fair enough i'm i'm a great northern uh, great northern fan 4x fan but i i mean it'd be sacrilege if i said i liked vb but i've had one vb in my life and i didn't like it but i didn't hate it either yeah so oh look and to be honest um it's an acquired taste anything off a tap beer I'm happy for. Oh, like okay. you can give me Carlton, you can give me Forex, you can give me Great Northern. But from the bottle of a can, you go with oh, VB. It's got to be a stubby too. Yep, not okay. a can. No. I'm a stubby fan. I'm definitely. I don't like drinking out of can. Don't get me wrong. If there's a beer that I like that doesn't have a can, doesn't have a stubby option, I will go a can. But yeah, beer from a glass bottle or glass oh. is, is much better. And you've got to put it in the freezer. Yeah. When you're taking one out, you put the other one back in. Mm-hmm. My grandfather actually taught yep. me a lesson about beer, and he okay. was a VB man. Okay. He um he'd get up and he'd put his beer in the freezer mm-hmm. and set his um uh oven alarm for yep. two hours. Yep. And when the oven alarm went off, even though he had nothing in the oven, the oven was never on. Yep. He knew his beer was cold. That's exactly what I do when I get home. <laughs> when, when I buy like a whether I buy a case of beers or I buy uh, you know, two or three two liter bottles of Coke, I whack him in the freezer for an hour and a half. Cause then when my time is done, I know it's like ice cold without going into the frozen yep. time you know it, it's great it's, it's a fine line it, oh it, it really is it's literally 10 15 minutes that you can like i've had times where it's blown up on me yeah in the absolutely i've woken up a few times and... <laughs> and that's happened no that's fair enough um and obviously we were talking about um your family and your kids and whatnot obviously boston is currently in the st kilda program how's he yep. tracking at the moment yeah, look, he's he's going really well. He's going to move to Melbourne next year and uh, be a part of the system down there. Just yep. to, you know, I think father-son rule in the AFL is one of the best. Father-daughter, yep. father-son. It's a great rule. I reckon they should make it a little bit harder. Yep. I reckon you should play 150 games with yep. a club. Yep. And then that, that club then gets the player for less than what they're asking at the moment. Yeah, I reckon gotcha. it's gone a little bit the other way, making it easy to get in. Yep. You're asking more on the draft table. I'd go the other way. Yep. Um, only because then... It, it puts that little bit of a lot more history into it. Yeah, absolutely. And if you played 150 games at one club, you've done that club a fair bit over the over the years. You've yep. played there 10 nearly, nearly eight to ten years. Yeah, more or less. Yeah. yeah. 
um, and they should be getting it as a discounted price. And I, I love, you know, seeing Silvani at, you know, at Carlton. I love yeah. seeing, you know, Dacos boys at Collingwood and, and more, you know, at, at Collingwood. I love seeing that. And I understand with the Suns and GWS and these father-son yeah. rules, they aren't able. Well, you know what? That's not our problem. No, it's not. That's not our problem. <laughs> yeah, they come into the system late. In 20 years, they'll have that opportunity or whenever it is. Um, but right now... You've got to award these players that were around in those days. Mm -hmm. And so my young fellow, yeah, and it was his idea. He said, Dad, I'd love to have a go. And, um, you know, he's really dedicated. And he gets up and trains himself and he has all the programs from, you know, the different uh, organisations and he, he loves it. And um, he said, I'd love to move to Melbourne if there's an opportunity. So we're going to put him in Melbourne at school and give him two years. He's academically very, very well as well. So yep. definitely not like me, hundred <laughs> percent like his mother. So he'll, um, he'll do schooling down there, go on the system and in two years, see if he's, he's good enough. I don't think there's anything lose. He can lose by going there. Exactly. Gets good education, meets a lot of people and um, gives himself a chance. Oh, absolutely. So that's, that was a highly requested question when I posted to Instagram yesterday. You know, submit your questions. They all wanted to know, how's Boston going? How's Boston going? Yeah. And so speaking to the fans submitted questions, we've got quite a few. So the first one is from Terwanda79. She asks, or he, I don't know if it's a male or female. They ask, do you see bits of yourself and your playing style in Max, in Max Gorn? Yeah, interesting, isn't it? Yeah. Like, I think... Um, and a really good question because, you know, when I first started, the, the Ruckman used to go and sit just in front of the full forward. Yeah. So you'd have to, you know, block the hole. And then we started, you know, myself, there was Corey McKernan, Jeff White, yep. Josh Fraser, these kind of players, uh, Sean Wren. Uh, we started becoming, you know, we were more the running Ruckman. So we yeah. could actually run like, not as good as a midfielder, but good enough to... Yeah, to fill in if needed. To fill in. And, uh, you know, we could play forward. We could play Ruck. And, um, you know, so you kind of look at Gorn. Um, you look at um, Grundy. Yep. Uh, these blokes. And you think, gee, I'd love to have a crack at them. Yeah. You know, I'd love to have a go because yep. we're similar kind of Ruckman. We're all forward. We're, we're running. Uh, we're mobile. We're, you know, kind of between the 80s and 90s are totally different Ruckman. Where yeah. 90s to now is very similar. Absolutely. Where, you know, you look at certain players and they wouldn't get a game in the AFL these days. But I think there's a lot of Ruckman out there that sit there and go, you know what? I probably still would. Yeah. So, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. I, I see those Ruckman and think, you know what? Um, not that we brought it to it, but we did help develop. Or, you know, there's a you, group you of us. Stepping, stepping stones for what is now the Ruckman such as Gorney and um, Grundy and all them. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And, you know, yeah, Dean Cox come along yep. and Nat Nui and these blokes. So, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. So, I'd love to have a – we always think, you know, you'd always love yeah. to have a crack at him now. Yeah, no, nah, and that's a great question to wonder. I think it was to wonder. Yeah, to wonder 79. Next question is from Being and Time and Stuff. They ask, do you support the Saints all these years later? Or do you have a yeah. different team sort of thing? No, absolutely. Yeah, I do. If I was uh, to, you know, buy memberships and, uh, yep. you know, support a team, it would be, and I do actually, I do. Yep. Yeah, I actually brought a, a seat in the uh, Danny Frawley stand and, yep. uh, yeah, buy memberships every year at the St Kilda Footy Club. So, nice. yeah, I do. I support the Saints. Saying that, I still love watching individual players. Like, yeah. I, I love Gary Ablett Jr. Yep. So, I'd go to the footy just to watch a Gary Ablett Jr. Yep. I'd go to the footy just to watch, you know, Buddy Franklin a few yep. years ago. So I'd go to the footy to watch certain players. Yep. But at the same time, if I put my hard-earned money down, one I buy at the Saints because they're, they're kind of they're, – it's a team I follow mm -hmm. and I buy and also sponsor one of the AFL W Suns girls. Oh, that's awesome. Yeah. That's really awesome to hear so, that you're getting behind that as well. Um, the next question is by yeah.about.that. 
They ask, where do you think the Saints will finish next year? And I think that's a ripper question given everything that's going on at the Saints and the, you know, restructure and, you know, Ross Lyon coming back and whatnot. It's frustrating as a Saints supporter, (laughs) no doubt. Uh, You look at uh, Brett Ratton, you think, you know, great fella. Absolutely. And, uh, you know, same kind of, he got dealt the same cards at Carlton. Now cops it at uh, St Kilda. But look, I think... um, Oh, I'm not disappointed with the choice they've made. Yeah. I think Ross Lyon will absolutely straighten them up over a few years, get them straight, get them running well, get what they needed. The hard nose kind of coach, uh, you know, Robert Harvey and Lenny Hayes on the sideline. So, absolutely, uh, I think that's uh, a fantastic setup. Mm-hmm. But still, um, just disappointed we didn't do it before trade and we didn't have a yeah be a bit harder in the trade period. Yeah, saw what Collingwood and Geelong were able to do. Yep, and you sit there and look at every other club and go. How do these two clubs that finish in the top three, one winning a premiership, one finishing third or fourth, not, you know, how can every other club struggle at trade time and these clubs do so well? And, and to to make your point even more poignant about that, obviously as a Collingwood fan, Collingwood finished in the bottom two the season beforehand. And yeah. I, I think the bottom two, bottom three the season beforehand and managed to finish in third. Obviously, that's definitely a changing in coaching as well. In oh, the drafting. absolutely. But, you know, so maybe that's a little bit of hope for Saints fans for next year. Yeah, there is. There is. It, but, um, you know, you still think, and, you know, Collingwood would have thought the same. Oh, we probably yeah. two or three players short, but they weren't really. They were half a kick short. No, they weren't. They were probably just got off the uh, starting blocks a bit slow against Sydney in that uh, the prelim. But, um, yeah, look, for me, yeah, I think they're stepping in the right direction. But I just... It would be nice just if they can just bring in a few more. Yeah. Don't forget, King's going to be coming back in that yeah. as well. So they've got some, some still some good inclusions. Absolutely. So pre pre season prediction, where do you think Saints end up at the end of next year's season? Oh, look, I think it'd be a big call to say, yeah, that there's going to be a whole heap of teams between yeah. six and ten. Yeah. So they should be six and ten. If they yeah. if they're bottom, they're outside the ten. You'd be you'd say then you that's know, a failure of a season I would, I would have said so and if they're inside the eight you'd say okay that's a tick yeah absolutely now mm. that's an awesome uh, and i agree with that as a non-saints fan i would definitely agree that um yeah six to ten and last this season in particular with collingwood if people had have told me collingwood are going to make the prelim first of all i would have laughed in your face and, yeah. I, and i would have said just making bo- like between six to ten is a win so and i think saints are very similar absolutely. for next season so i agree with that um, and the other question we've got is from actually Tweed Coast Oztag, and they ask, what could the NRL do to improve their game day experience compared to the AFL? Because the game day experience is very lacking in comparison. And I'll agree, I've been to the Suns and I've been to a Gold Coast Titans game. It's chalk and cheese compared to game day experiences. Yeah, look, unfortunately, you really can't. Mm. Um, I know the experience at... Um, yeah, the AFL is awesome, but it doesn't matter how much stuff you put around the ground at NRL. This is only my opinion. Yeah, as yeah, well. of course. And I'm not, a, I don't follow NRL that yeah. heavily, but I like you, I've been to a couple of games and even watching State of Origin. And, you know, it doesn't matter what you put outside the ground. No. The hardest thing with NRL compared to AFL is the fact that there's so much downtime when you know, you're, you're taking your six tackles, mm. you know, you're coming up, you're running, back, running, yeah. back, running, back, running. Where AFL, Every two, three seconds. You can look somewhere on the field and there's something going on. Well, you've got a 50-50 ball. Yeah. So half the crowd, uh, oh, yeah, we've got it back. Yeah, we've got it back. Taking a mark, play on. So every kind of two or three seconds, your team still got a chance to get the ball back. Yeah. Every probably 30 seconds, your team is getting the ball back or your team's done something well, so you're cheering. So 
there's no downtime, down period where in the NRL, there's just too much stop start. With the AFL, you've got a, a game that can seriously change in yeah. 30 seconds. And it, I mean, in two seconds, and it could change 10 times in 30 seconds. Yeah, absolutely. Where in the NRL, they drop a ball, they got to reset, yeah. restart. You gotcha. never get that that same experience, unfortunately. Just two different games. No, absolutely. And I'm, I'll agree with that. And it kind of rings true, this, the saying of like, AFL is a much better product to watch live than on TV for some people. And no. Sorry. Yeah, yeah. So, so, so no, yeah, AFL, sorry, is a much better product to watch live than on TV. And NRL is a much better TV product sometimes than it is to watch live yeah, sort of absolutely, thing. Absolutely. And, you know, for those people who haven't been, you know, NRL fans, haven't been to the AFL, Go and check it out. Do it. Absolutely. Yeah. And it's only about the atmosphere. Just pick a team. It doesn't matter who you follow. Yeah. Just pick a team. You can go for the underdog, but you still will find yourself cheering yeah. at certain times of the game and turnovers and yelling at the uh, umpires. Yeah, the umpires say, hey, come on. So, <laughs> and everyone's together. So, yeah, yeah. you'll never get that, unfortunately, at the NRL. But um, but you're right. It's depending what game. You're like, you try and explain. You try and learn AFL off the television, <laughs> yeah. you got no hope. No, I think you this don't. game's mad. Like <laughs> yeah. I don't understand what's going on. You watch it at the ground. Yeah, you got. You can then see why everything's moving. It's yeah. like a big chessboard. You can see it all moving. Absolutely. And one more topic I've got before we go into the retirement type questions. And uh, what are your thoughts on the descent rule from this season it, towards the umpires? It did my head uh, in a little bit. Yeah, it did. After I got fined five thousand dollars for <laughs> offering an umpire a little bit of feedback uh, throughout my career, but. Uh, Look, I think um, I don't believe in abuse. Like, no, absolutely yeah. not. Yeah. So abuse and all that absolutely should be taken out. I think you've got to you got to question the umpires. Yeah, if decision. you can say why was that, and yeah. then the re- an umpire's going dissent. It's like I asked why. Yeah, you've got to be able to ask the question why. Um, I know what they want to do because, especially in local f- footy, they want to get more referees and be mm-hmm. able to you know, and, yeah. And you know, you don't want even under nines and tens, you know, showing dissent towards an umpire. No, no, you don't. So, I understand. But when you're playing top level, you've got to have some re- not reward, but you've got to have some outlet to be able to question. Yeah. You know exactly what you've done and yeah. why and how and it's no different when you you know, step off the mark these days and so. Yeah, look, I didn't like it. I think they they changed it quick enough, so that was good. Mm-hmm. But at the same time, um, yeah, it's a, it's just a fine line between what looks like abuse compared to and and to be honest, I like the umpires when they actually, yeah, tell you they yeah, communicate with yeah, you. Yeah, say, look, Spider, shut up. <laughs> you, you weren't right. Yeah, have a look at the screen if you want. But you know, this is this is what I saw. This is what I'm doing. Yeah, I don't mind. Yeah, no. Well, I'd rather be or, or you know have a referee or umpire that's communicating why rather than just blowing a whistle and not telling you because that's just confusing the whole field yeah. of players. Now, onto retirement questions. Um, what was it like for you, A, post-retirement, you know, and that sort of transition um, into retirement after footy? Yeah, interesting. I've always said those people that are doing something during football mm. actually walk out of footy a lot better. Yep. So as much as we take the mickey out of them and ask them why they're studying and, you know, they're on the planes going somewhere and they're studying and we take the – Take it, take it to them. They, uh, they've been the successful ones after footy. So, you know, I was lucky enough to, um, you know, be in the media, be able to do a little bit of media before I finished. And, you mm-hmm. know, I, I enjoy it. So I was able to continue on. So it wasn't, my transition wasn't too hard. Yeah. Um, you know, I went into, you know, doing my TV show. Always thought I was going to have that year off. Didn't really know what I was going to do. And then, you know, lucky enough to get a radio gig. But um, yeah, look, my transition was quite easy compared to a a lot of others. But saying that, 
I still put a lot of time and effort into it while I was playing. You know, yeah. I wouldn't go to a function without being prepared in case I was asked to get up there and talk. Yep. If I went to do a TV show or whatever, I'd do a lot of preparation to make sure I didn't sound or look stupid, even though sometimes I did. But that was, you know, that's I, I actually worked at it to make yep. sure that if it was ever going to be an option, I was able to get going to be able to do it. Yeah, no, that's fair enough. Um, and I've got two more questions for you. First of all, what's next for Spider Everett? Yeah, good question. I don't really know. I, I love the radio. I'll do it for a few more years, yep. uh, hopefully, until the, my fob doesn't work to get into work. And then I go, okay, they don't need me anymore. But, <laughs> yeah, look, I, I think at the moment, just waiting to see what happens with with Boston. Um, yep. You know, a couple of years down there, if he makes a list, if he doesn't make a list, what he does, if he does, what he does, does if he doesn't. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, my daughters are down in Melbourne, so it'd be great to see them a lot more, and my granddaughter as well. So that'd be fantastic. But, you know, I still want to travel and do a little bit of work overseas into yep. certain areas. Um, I love traveling. I love experiencing different cultures and, and trying to learn a little bit more. So, yeah. I'm Thinking think, of other countries, sorry to interrupt. Do you follow any other sports outside of Australia? Oh, look, follow a little bit of baseball every now and then. Yep. Um, you know, I remember when I was over in South Sudan, I uh, got into the soccer. Yep. Um, you know, I, I enjoy all sports. I love baseball. Um, you know, a lot of people don't like it. Think it's a bit slow, but you know, I enjoy I enjoy baseball. I love tennis. Yep. Um, so there's a, yeah, there's a few sports. Um, even golf. I watch a little bit of golf. Yeah, nice. Um, so yeah, there's a couple of things that I'd like to do when I finish uh, radio. But mainly, it'd be travelling and trying. I don't know what I'll do, but <laughs> try and find a job overseas. Yeah, fair. Doing something. Yeah, nice. And I just thought of another question before the, the last one, which is if you hadn't have made it in the AFL or hadn't have had an AFL career, what path do you think your life would have taken? You know, like what sort of sport or what sort of job or career would you have done? I actually signed up to go to the army. Oh, wow. Yeah, I signed up to go to the army to do an electrical uh, electrician apprenticeship. Yep. I thought if I had, I think you had to sign up, do four years and give them three years or something. So yep. I would have got out when I was, you know, 26, 25, 20. 26, yep. and uh, being a qualified electrician. Yeah, nice. And then outside of that, probably in jail. I don't know. <laughs> I could have been anyway. I don't know. No, to be honest. Well, yeah, it was, yeah, it was, I wasn't that great at school. So, yep. but I did sign up to go to the army. Mum wanted to said, look, you got to do something. And that was yep. probably going to be my go-to. Yeah, no, that's fair. Well, I mean, it's a guaranteed job. In, yeah. in the military. So. And good discipline as well. Yeah, absolutely. Which I, which I needed a little bit at that time (laughs) no that's fair enough Uh, okay and last question i've got for you finally which is what question do you have for our next guest which i don't know who the next guest is because i've got i know it's an afl guest i've just got to schedule them okay um my one would be and i like uh you know how you've done all those all those questions but if there was one side outside of the club you played for Mm -hmm. who would you want to play for and why okay and first of all same question for you because that's a great question. Yeah. Uh, Would it have been Collingwood? Yeah, look, and I think Dane Swan makes a really good point. Yep. Um, you know, I don't know if you've ever interviewed Dane Swan. Not yet, no. Yeah. Um, he said, look, I'm Dane Swan. And you actually get his playing cards. You look at his playing cards. He hasn't got a tattoo. His first no. one. Yeah. And by the end of it, he's full of tattoos. Yeah, full of them, yeah. So interesting. But he said, if he'd played for North Melbourne, do you think he'd be sitting up here doing 10 lunches <laughs> in a week? Exactly. He said, no. No. He said, it's only because I played at Collingwood yep. that people know me. Yep. So really interesting, the fact that, you know, that that Collingwood army, that, um, yeah. you know, just the the hype and just the the stigma around Collingwood, you, you know, they, they love you or hate you, yep. but you know what? They, they make a lot of players as well. So for me, Collingwood. Yeah, well, I mean, I would have happily have loved to have seen you at Collingwood as a kid growing up. I 
there are obviously, as I'm sure you're well aware, when you watch footy growing up, you have your team, you follow your team, but there's also a few, you know, handful of players that even though they don't play for your team, they captivate you and you love watching them on the yeah. field. For me in AFL, it was Aaron Sandilands because he was just a oh, freakishly tall and it was Spider Everett watching it on the, because I just loved the nickname hearing it on TV and I just loved watching you playing AFL. Yeah. So thank you very much for coming on the show. No, it's a pleasure. Thank you very much. It was uh, great. Thank you. No, thank you.